This morning we're going to take a look at Daniel chapter 3. And as we go to Daniel chapter 3, there's a lot of things God's been doing in my life. And ultimately, um, I just share what God's what God's doing in me and, and or to me, depending on how you look at it. And um, I don't know, you guys notice that uh, our world's kind of sideways? Um, and uh, maybe it's because my wife makes me watch all those election things all the time. So, so that gets me all wound up, you know, and, and um, I'm a former Marine, so I take voting really seriously, so I don't ever miss voting, but you're barking up the wrong tree if you tell me to pick the worst of two evils, because I don't do that either. I figure my vote matters, because one day, I don't, I don't really care about everybody else, but God, I think, will look at it. What'd you do with that vote I gave you? What'd you do with that talent? Oh, I buried it in a backyard, Lord, because I was afraid. I don't want to say that. I want God to be able to look at my voting record and say, yeah, it was consistent. One of the biggest challenges for believers is to live lives consistent with who we say we are. We talk about, you guys heard the concept of a biblical worldview, having a biblical worldview. And, and the, one of the great challenges for us when we have a biblical worldview is, is our worldview, is our, are our lives consistent with what we say, right? Uh, do you walk the talk um, or is it just, you know, a bunch of words? And the problem really ultimately, guys, for our society is that the church has for far too long been all words. And it's not... Uh, um, I don't know that it's so much, you know, people want to point to maybe not being loving enough or too judgmental. I don't know. I probably lean the other way, guys. I probably say we're not judgmental enough. Uh, I think we we do what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't do in Daniel chapter three. I think that the nation plays the drum and plays the flute, and we're supposed to dance. And the, the great collision that's going to occur, I believe, in our, in our nation and in our time is going to be whether or not the church will choose to remain distinct from the culture of the world and stand for what God asks us to stand for. One of the saddest verses I, uh, is in Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, referring to the rebuilding of the wall and the, and the rebuilding of the temple, he said, I looked... This is God speaking. I look to and fro for somebody to stand in the gap. Someone to finish the work. Someone to, to stand out. I'm looking. I'm just, it's time. I need a guy. I need a person. Someone willing. But the next phrase is so sad because God says, but there were none. I looked. And I think the same is true today. I think God is looking over our nation and he's saying, I'm looking for people who will stand in the gap, who will stand up and say, no, this far, no further. Here's the line. And this is where it's always been. And, you know, maybe I blew it. And I, I wasn't always standing where I needed to stand on that line, but I'm on it now. I'm done bowing to the idol. Because a big call, right? Nebuchadnezzar and the, and the three Hebrew youths. Everybody know the story? Everybody familiar somewhat with Daniel? And uh, I never like picking a book out the middle, but I only get to be here one week, so I can't teach you the whole book. And it's take, it took me, what, like three months to get to Daniel chapter 3, so <laughs> yeah, it could be bad. So, But 
as we as we look at what's going on, it's I just see this great parallel in Daniel chapter three, and the and these three Hebrew youths who are torn from their families. Don't don't sterilize the Bible. You can't read the Bible all sterile. We look at it and we read things like, oh, and so Nebuchadnezzar took all the brightest and the prettiest and the most beautiful and the most smart people. He took them all. And we read that like that was some kind of peaceful exchange. Really? How'd that work today? How'd it work today? You're, somebody come to your house, government official, bangs on the door, says, your kids are my kids. I'm taking them now. How's that happen? How do you react to that? Because you really think back then the reaction was different. Back then they were like, oh yeah, go ahead, take them. I didn't really like them anymore anyway. I mean, to be honest, Daniel, uh, Hanani, Azariah, and Mishael, they're taken as teenagers. So there is a chance at that moment that, that mom and dad might have been okay. But, so don't sterilize it. Feel the emotion of what happens. So you have these teenage boys. They're the only ones we know the story. There are other people who were taken, but these are the ones that the Bible tells us about, right? Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And so what happens when they're taken into Babylon is King Nebuchadnezzar has a plan. What's his plan? Assimilate. So how am I going to assimilate you? I want you to think like I think. I want you to worship the gods I worship. I want you to dance when I play the music. But Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael didn't like that. Because they had something else. See, Daniel and his friends, they had this concept that the Word of God was authoritative in their life. That the Word of God was authoritative and it, it, it meant that they were to be distinct. Not separate. Distinct. Folks, the reason why we find ourselves in this nation, in the place that we're in, is because the church has lost her distinction. The church has lost her faithfulness. Let me ask you a question. If you're married and your spouse never wanted to let anybody know that, you, that, that they loved you, how good a marriage is that? You okay with that? Like, look, honey, I, I want you to know, privately, I love you. But, but everywhere else we go, I'm going to pretty much pretend I don't know you. Is that okay? But isn't that the way a lot of Christians live their life? Oh, oh, privately, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm a, I believe. And, and I will say this, guys, if, if your public and your private don't line up, then your private's not real. It might be harsh, but that's the truth. And, it, and if somebody loves you, they ought to tell you the truth, no? So don't try to sell me on, you know, privately I got this all down. No, you don't, baloney. You you, that's the story you're telling me to tell you, to try to convince yourself. But when I fell in love with my wife, I wanted to tell everybody how beautiful she was. I want to tell everybody what she meant to me. If we were sitting down with the guys sitting down, we're, 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 I don't drink coffee. Uh, we're having a monster. There's not really a place to do that. Um, so I'm trying to think. Okay, so, so I, I'm in a duck blind with the guys. And we sit down and we start talking about, about life. And we're talking about this. And sooner or later, the conversation comes around to how much I love my wife. Why? Because well, I really love her. Now flip it. If the conversation that you have in the world does not sooner or later come around to Jesus Christ, something's wrong. Because the love that you have for Him ought to start bubbling out everywhere. Right? And that's, the, that's the thing. That's the, that's the thing we're looking at. Now if it doesn't, here's my point. If it doesn't, you don't really understand 
what He's done for you and what He's accomplished for you. And so you need to spend some time in a Word and you need to start really digging deep into what is it that, that God has done for me. I don't understand it because some people just think, well, a long time ago He died for my sins and, and uh, you know, I didn't really ask Him to do that and maybe we don't really understand. Well, the place you're going to find those answers is in the Word. Yeah? And if the only time you come to the Word is on Sunday morning... You know, you come with your little empty bowl and you want us to, to put food in it. If that's the way you ate, it wouldn't work out the rest of the time, would it? Oh, trust me, I didn't get like this eating one time a week. <laughs> I, I'm not shy. I eat. Don't invite me over. Don't say, Jackie, come over. Let's, let's, I'll eat. You want me to be all, you know, oh, then invite my wife over. She'll be nice and she'll do the whole, I'll oh, just take a little. But I'm figuring if you offer it to me first, you didn't want all that much of the meat. So I'm not shy about that. What's how we got to come to the Word of God? We got to come to the Word of God like a hungry man jumping on Christmas turkey. You guys don't understand what that looks like? I'm telling you. How's the, how's the Bible talk about it? As the deer panteth for the water. You ever seen a thirsty animal go to water? It's not just like, oh, I don't know. Okay, I guess I'll have something. No, man, that face is in the water. That's how we ought to be coming to the Word. So these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys, they think <coughs> the Word of God is authoritative in my life and I'm going to be distinct. And from chapter 1, they make that decision, right? Daniel purposed in his heart not to be defiled by the king's delicacies. He said, I'm still going to go to school. I'm still going to do all the things i got to do. At the end of chapter 1, they, they take them and they do a test. You guys ever had a test? You guys went to school, right? Everybody, some people still doing it? So, they, yeah, I'm with you, brother. So we have, they have a test. So there's this test goes on and, and they find Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael ten times better than everybody else. And I always tell people this. Don't think that test was on Bible knowledge. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't going, okay, so when did uh, Moses do his thing? Okay, what, what was... What, when, what happened when Adam and Eve fell? That's not what the test was. What was Nebuchadnezzar asking them? All the literature of the Babylonians, that's what they were studying. How to become a wise man. How to, how to figure out, to interpret dreams and all that stuff. That's what they're asking them. Ten times better. And I, and I, and I want to tell you that the reason that they were ten times better is because of the truth of what God's Word says. What's God's Word say? All wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. Doesn't say most, doesn't say some, just say a trickle here and there. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. All of them. So we hold fast to what the Word of God says, we actually have a better foundation for understanding the world around us than anybody else. No matter what you study. I always tell people there's no such thing as neutral. Jesus didn't tell us there was neutral ground, did He? What did Jesus say? You are either for me or... So no middle, no neutral. There's no neutral ground. Some people say, well, I'll try to get to neutral ground before I share Christ. What are you talking about? There's no neutral ground. You're with Christ, then I bring him with me when I talk to somebody. I, I, I'm, I'm less worried about offending somebody I'm talking to and more worried about offending the, the Lord I adore. I don't want to offend him. I don't want to offend my wife. So when I, when I share, I want, I want that sharing. I want it to be, I'm not, it's not neutral. It's like, yeah, you know, I I kind of like her, so I keep her around. I don't want to do that. How do I want to do it? I want to. 
I want to extol her. Now, how's the Bible tell me to treat her? Fellas, what's the Bible say? Love your wife how? Holy cow, how'd he love a church? It was just a little, right? It was just, you know, and it, it was only privately. Jesus only loves the church privately, right? Not publicly? No, so it's right out there in the open, right? With everything, like, extravagant love, yeah? Look, that's how we ought to be. That's how we ought to be. But here's the reality, and the thing that they had to come through, eventually, I promise I'll get to the text, and maybe I won't, I don't know. <clears throat> but, but eventually they had to come to this. Do you guys know that sometimes things happen in your life that cause you to struggle with who God is and if He loves you? Yeah, is that real or not? You don't think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt that way? Yeah, just a little while ago, I had a home. You know, I had Xbox One, all the cool games. They don't let us play that here in Babylon. You know, I don't, I don't have that. They're PlayStation people or whatever. They're teenagers, right? Okay, they probably didn't have that stuff. But <clears throat> you get the idea. There's things they left behind and things that were different. And, and they could definitely say, I don't know what God's thinking. But what did they say? They did say, you know what? I'm staying distinct. I, I want to I follow God. I want to hold fast to Him through it all. Because that's really the only way to come out the other side. The Bible doesn't tell us. In, in Psalm 23, it doesn't say, well, maybe or maybe you won't go through the valley of the shadow of death, does it? What does it say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That, by the way, that means you're gonna. Nobody gets a pass on that. But yea, though I walk through. It doesn't say I stop in the middle or I just hang out there. It says, yea, though I walk through, who's with me? You are with me. It gets personal in Psalm 20. You are with me. And that's what these guys know. God's with us, and we're standing with God. They've made that decision. And I guess my challenge for us in our culture and in our nation, which is in dire need of believers to stand in the gap, to stand up for something, to stand up and say, this far and no more, to, 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 to be consistent with what the Word of God teaches, that we've got to make that decision. I'm with you, Lord, and I'm with you not just in private. I'm with you out in the open. I love you and I'm not ashamed of you. And I want everybody to know that I love you. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's job coming in with the people coming into Babylon was assimilation, right? We talked about that. I want you to think like me, do what I do, all this stuff. But what does God want? Why does God put us in a culture? Why does God have us for such a time as this? Why are we here? God has us here for transformation. The culture wants to assimilate us. But God says, I got you there to transform the culture. Now, we can all tell ourselves. We can say, you know what? I, I, when I read the Bible, I get to the end. It says things are going to keep getting worse and worse. So what does that mean? If it's going to keep getting worse and worse, you get to check out? You're good to go, so you just sit in your little corner of the world and say, I'm good? Well, the rest of them are all going to hell. So when God called us in the Great Commission, He said, go therefore, Right? Go there. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. How much authority does God have? All of it, right? Heaven and earth. That's pretty much all there is. So he says, go there for make disciples of how many nations? Yeah, all the nations. Every nation, wherever you go. Is there a recension of that? Does God say, well, you don't have to do that if your culture's, you know, starting to turn its back on you. Is there a deal where God says, you don't have to do that if people are unfriending you on Facebook? No. You should probably, i got like 7,000 friends. I need to 
be a little more vocal so some of them drop me. So you you want to be able to express that, right? I want to, I want to be able to express who God is and what He means to me. I want to see transformation. <coughs> so as we as we jump into Daniel three in the next I don't know twenty thirty minutes, um, flip over to Jeremiah twenty nine. Everybody knows that that scripture, right? How many of you guys are familiar with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? I know the thoughts that you think toward me, says the Lord. Thoughts of good, and not of evil. It's a it's a very uh, uplifting verse, right? To give you a future and a hope. That's great, man. That's awesome. We remove it from its context and put it on our fridge. So we need to see it in context to understand that God wants us to transform the cultures around us. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away. What did it say? He has caused. Was it the big, bad, mean Nebuchadnezzar that did it? Was it the big, mean soldiers that came, busted in the door, and grabbed them kids and took it? Who said it was going to happen? God. Sometimes I'm really comforted that God loves me the way I am. But I have of late been challenged with this concept. Just chew on it a minute. Do you love God how He is? Or do you only love Him how you make Him to be? Do you love Him the real God? The God who says, I caused you to be carried away captive. The God who says, I put you there in the valley of the shadow of death. For your good and my glory. Are you okay with that God? Do you love that God? Or is it just the God that that we get the good things from, right? The Santa Claus in the sky. Because if it is, you're worshiping an idol. It's not real. How do we know the real God? He's right here, isn't he? In every page, what did Jesus say? You search the scriptures daily, for in them it's these that have life. But it is these scriptures that speak of who? Me. Jesus says they're all talking about me. So we want to know Him. He's right here. He's right here in the pages of Scripture. He says, I caused you to be carried away into Babylon. Here's what He tells them to do. Stay away from them dirty people. Make sure you're out uh, away from the city. Stay in a segregated neighborhood. Whatever you do, don't be near those people that are from Babylon because they're bad. And I want you guys... Is that what it says? No, what's it say? It says, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. So what's that sound like? Does that sound like God wants them to totally separate? What's He want them to do? Be right in the middle of them, right? Be right in the middle of them. Have houses. Look at this part. And seek for the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. Seek for the peace of the city. Babylon's the enemy. Just picture what he's talking about. These dudes just come into my house, drag me out. I won't even talk about the eunuch part. because that, that is a whole drag of in and of itself, right? That's what happened to all them teenage boys. They never get married. They never have families. God said, I caused you to go there. That was my plan for you. So they take them out. They take them into the land. They're the enemy. And God says, I want you to work for the peace of the city. I want you to be engaged in what's going on in the city. I want you to be a part of what's happening. Who's doing what? I want you to make the city better. That's what he's talking about, man. He says, seek the peace of the city where I cause you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. Not just pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What's this city's called? Pray for Babylon. 
do not let, he says, uh, do not let your prophets, your diviners who are in the midst of you, nor the nor listen to their dreams that they that they have caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, you're going to be here 70 years. Let me ask you, is that a lifetime? Pretty much, right? So here's your lifetime, Daniel. Here's your lifetime, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's your lifetime. No family, no kids. You're going to be slaves in a faraway land, and I want you to work for the peace of the city. I want you to be a part of making this city as good as it can be. I want you to be engaged. I want you to be praying for the peace of this city because you're going to be here your whole life. That's the scripture we have up on the fridge. That's the context of what he's talking about. He says, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return home. (coughs) For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So he's saying, look, this is the purpose. This is why I've taken you. I haven't brought you here to destroy you. But you need to understand, we don't exist in this world so that we can get all the stuff we want. If we bow the knee to God Almighty, if we have said, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I've received Him as my Lord and Savior, I've lifted up my arms to Him, God, I'm yours, then I'm declaring this is His gig. And I'm just a cog in a wheel. Where you need me? What you need me to do? Once upon a time, he said, I need you in Buell, Idaho. I was, I was actually kind of stoked because I was so done with California. In Buell, we have a, a traffic jam if there are three people on the road with you. So, that's paradise to me. So it wasn't so rough. But other guys, he calls them the places they don't want to go. Doing things they don't want to do, just like these guys. But they said, in the midst of all that, these guys, they said, look, I'm going to remain distinct, and I'm going to hold fast to God's Word. Right? Because in the great Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, what's it say? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall, what? Love the Lord your God with how much? Yeah, that's pretty much all of you, right? All your being. And that's what these four kids are doing. Loving God with all their being. Even though the the, the journey's been been a a drag, right? They're They're not super stoked about where they're at. Even though all that's true. I'm with you, God. That's what they're saying. I'm with you. And I'm here for the transformation of the city. Now here's what here's where we here's where we need to bring this around. Holy cow. Um no, it's well in Buell, guys. I go for two and a half hours, so this whole fitting in forty minutes is rugged. So <coughs> you're saying I I can understand that we've been here forever, haven't done verse one yet. I know. Okay, so so but here's what's going on. Here's what's here's here's the the dig in our in our world in our culture. Our culture needs to be radically transformed. But the problem is the church is too busy bowing a knee to the dumb idols of the world. And we need to be like these four Hebrew youths who say, I'm going to love God publicly. I'm going to draw the line. I'm going to stand. I'm going to be the one that says, here I am, Lord. Use me to stand in the gap. And the world's going to hate me, and they're going to take your stuff. Don't think they're not going to take your stuff. Don't think you're not going to have to go spend some time in a fire. All that stuff's going to happen, man. But 
right now, God's just looking to and fro to say, where's the one that's going to stand for me? Where the one, where's the one? I want to be the one. I want to be the one. Daniel 3, verse 1, look what it says. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits with 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So, the satraps, administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. They stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had stood up. And a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kind of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony, with all other kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They want us to dance. They want us to celebrate. They want us to worship what they worship. They want us to do what everybody else is doing. Just think about the news. I can get a cake anywhere. Most of the time, I get my cakes at Costco. (coughs) But if I went into a cake place, and I said, I want a cake, and they said, well, what do you do? I'm a pastor. We don't make cakes for pastors. Cool. Cool. I'm going to go get a cake someplace else. Because I don't want to give you none of my money. And I'll just go to Walmart and buy my cake. That's probably where I belong anyway. Certainly not going to think about taking away their business. I'm certainly not going to think about suing them for millions of dollars. Nope. I'll just go get it someplace else. What happened in that situation? They played the song. They wouldn't bow. So they lose it all. The culture is playing the tune, man. That's not the only tune it's playing. There are lots of tunes. Here's a tune. Guy does this. Years and years of work comes up with this story. You know Planned Parenthood is selling baby parts. He's got them on video. There's really no question. I don't know if you ever watched them. I watched them all. There's no question about what they're doing. Yep, for sure, that's what you're doing. Yep, oh, wow, that, they're actually selling baby parts. Crazy. <clears throat> selling parts of babies that are somehow just a lump became body parts that you can sell. Crazy how that is. But nonetheless, they, they're selling all those parts off. And what happens? The nation immediately defunds them and says, man, we got to stop this. We finally are waking up to the reality that we have killed 55 million children. Oh, no, that's not what they did. They took the guy who made the videos, indicted him, and are charging him with fraud. What? Wait, 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 wait. 
Did you guys not look at those videos? Or that doesn't matter? No, what do you mean it don't matter? That stuff is still happening. That's our world. What happened? They played the music. What did he do? I'm not going to bow. What did they do? They took it all away. That's our world. That's the time we're in. Just like with Nebuchadnezzar, the music's playing, folks. The music is playing right now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We bowing? Or are we standing? Let's see what happens. Therefore, at a certain time, (coughs) uh, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, made a decree. These are the tattletales. I hate tattletales. We made a decree. Everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kind of music should fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever doesn't fall down is supposed to be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And there are certain Jews, these guys over here that you put in charge. Look what he says. These men that you, uh, these men, you have not done due regard to you. They do not serve the gods who worship the gold image that you have set up. These guys, well, these dirty, stinky Jews that we brought in them. They're good for nothing aliens from another place. They're here and and uh, they didn't bow, King. Now Nebuchadnezzar, remember, these are the guys that were ten times better than everybody else. So Nebuchadnezzar knows what's up. They they wouldn't bow? What what do you tell me? They wouldn't bow? Their final arbiter of truth was the word of God, and the word of God said, Don't bow, so what'd they do? I'm not gonna bow. The final arbiter of truth says that marriage is between a man and a woman, period. Is it your final arbiter of truth or not? If it is, you won't bow. The final arbiter of truth says, the life begins at conception. What are you talking about, Jackie? Psalm 139. Have you ever read it? God says to David, I knew you the night your mom and dad made you. The night you were made in secret, God says. I was there. I had a plan for your life then. I had a purpose for you. So that's what the Word of God says. They're playing the music. Are you going to bow? These guys, they're not going to bow. They're not going to bow. They say they haven't bowed. They haven't bowed. They haven't bowed. (coughs) It leads the world to scorn. The world is tolerant of everything else, but it's not tolerant of people who will not bow. That's it. If If you bow, you're good. If you don't bow, it's going to cost you everything. Really, it don't cost you nothing. Because you got everything waiting, don't you? Everything's not the stuff we have here, is it? Verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar enraged. That's crazy. He gave the command, bring those guys up here. So, Nebuchadnezzar. If you guys have never done Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar is always mad. You guys know people like that? Always mad. He's, he, don't, he goes from zero to a hundred, like right now. Like, he's happy, and then he's enraged. Bring those guys up here. Nebuchadnezzar talks to him. Is it true? So I see the most powerful guy in the world talking to three kids. Teenagers. Is it true you guys won't bow? Look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to play the music. And when the music, when you hear the music, you bow to the image. And if you don't bow to the image, I'm going to throw you in that fire. That's how that goes, man. That's how this. That's how this information is 
is laid on them. If you don't worship, immediately I'm tossing you in the fire. I love what they say. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, uh, You know, we don't really need to answer you on this matter. You ever thought about that phrase? Yeah, you know what, king? We ain't got to talk to you. You're not my king. I got a king. I, I serve a risen Savior. Jesus Christ is my Messiah. He's my king. He is the authority in my life. And not nobody else sitting on any throne in any nation. Now before you think I'm not a patriot, I bled for this country. I did my gig. I took an oath. I'll fulfill that oath. But I don't worship this place. I worship Jesus Christ, the King. My Lord and Savior. That's it. That's all that matters. Focus on Him. He's my thing. So that's what these guys are saying. Look, we don't got to talk to you. You think you're king of the world. You ain't king of us. In this case, we have no need to answer you in this matter. But if it is the case, our God who is able, who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. <coughs> but He will deliver us from your hand, O King. So these three kids, teenagers, say to this king, most powerful guy in the whole world, how they're able to do this? Because they made a long made a decision a long time ago. We're going to remain distinct. We're going to hold fast to what the Word of God teaches. We made our choice. We're with Him, not just in private. We're with Him always. Everywhere we go. God is our thing. So they said, look, God is able to save us from the burning and the fiery furnace. But no matter what happens, He's going to save us from your hands. What's the worst that king could do to him? Throw him in the fire. What's the worst happening there? They burn. Then what? Absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. Boom, they're with God. Oh, so the worst thing you can do to me is send me home to God? Right on. Do your worst. Knock yourself out. Our God, you have no power. Jesus Christ defeated death. Yes or no? That's what the Word of God declares. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, death, where's your sting? Death, where's your victory? There's no victory in death. Why? Because death puts me in His hands. But to be honest, I'd rather be there. Right now what Paul says, I don't know which is better. It's, it's good and needful for me to be here for you guys, but, but I'd rather be there. Nevertheless, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's true or it's a lie, but that's what the Word of God says. I hold fast. That, that's absolutely true, man. And So that's how I want to live. Right? So he says, you, you got no... You, whatever, King, you're not going to do nothing. <coughs> but... Let it be known to you. We do not serve your God, nor will we worship the gold image you have set up. So these three kids look at the most powerful man in the world and say, Look, no matter what you're going to do to us, I just want you to know, we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow. So remember I told you this, this king has a rage problem. You guys, he's a rageaholic, right? So that says in verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar is full of fury. He's exploding like a volcano. He says, he said, the expression on his face changed. So he's, he's just gnarled up, man. You know he's mad. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. So the furnace, I just want you guys to get a picture. The furnace that they would have in Babylon is round. 
like a giant uh, fire um, picture. Yeah, picture. If you picture like a a bonfire or something, really big one. Okay, and then in order to put more wood on it, they'd build these uh, like a walkway, like a stairs that went over it that you could walk up on, and you could drop stuff down into the middle. That's where they throw the pitch the guys off on. So there, they got this fire seven times hotter. So it's roasting, man. And it and it says that that, that people start doing crazy things because the king's freaking out. Look what it says. He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. So these men were bound in their coats and trousers and turbans and other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, what's that mean? The king is flipping out. Get them guys in the fire now! No, go, go, go! Get them, get them, get them! You ever been in the military? You know what they're talking about. People scream at you everywhere you go in the military. Well, boot camp. People scream at you everywhere you go. You go to, you're trying to go to bed. They're yelling at you. Go to bed. Go to bed. No, 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 no. Go. So you do dumb things. Right? You don't think you'll do dumb things? Let me come spend a day with you. I'll do it to you all day. <laughs> you'll do something crazy. You're like, oh, all of a sudden, I don't know how to get in bed. I don't know what to do. Stop yelling at me. Ah! So they're yelling. He's yelling at these guys. Get him in the fire. Get him in the fire. Get him in the fire. So they don't strip them or nothing. They just tie them up with all their clothes and their coats and whatever craziness they got on. They tie it up and they grab them and they're trying to get them there in a hurry, right? And the furnace is exceedingly hot so that the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now here's how I picture it. They're going up that ladder. Remember I told you they get like a little walkway over the top and they drop people down or stuff, oil, whatever, down in the fire. So they get up there. And them two dudes that are trying to pitch them in the fire, they catch on fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are looking at each other. Are you hot? <laughs> no, not really. Um, ask Rack over there. <laughs> no, I'm not hot either. Dude, those guys just burned up. You see that? Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? What are we supposed to do now? I don't know. We're, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I bet if we're not hot up here, we're not hot down there neither. <coughs> Let's find out. How do you think they got in the fire? You honestly going to tell? try to tell me these two mighty men of valor go up on this ladder, catch on fire, and are so wanting to do their duty at that point that they make sure they throw them in? Are you kidding? You've never been on fire, have you? Yeah, trust me. You're on fire. You're not thinking about what you're supposed to do. Like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. They're supposed to burn, not me. Poof, they're gone. These two guys jump in. It says, verse 23, These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Look, you make a stand against the culture, you're going to suffer. You make a stand against the culture, you're going to suffer. Americans have the biggest problem with suffering anywhere else in the world biggest problem because we freak out about it but don't freak out about it if you're gonna if you're gonna stand with jesus jesus said if you love me then the world's gonna hate you and if the world don't hate you then you're not loving jesus enough you love him they'll start hating i promise you you draw a line 
and say, this is it. I'm distinct. I'm, this is, why, don't, why, are you, why are you acting like that? Because this is what God says, man. This is what God says. We've got a ministry at church called a Red Door Ministry. Our Red Door Ministry is an outreach to Planned Parenthood. It's an abortion mill. It's the only place in Twin Falls where they kill babies. It's not like the ones they do in big cities. There's far less. But this thing, we'd go there and we stand on the corner and we got a couple of guys that go every single day and they go out and they start talking. And they, they, they share. They, you got eight seconds. The door opens, you got eight seconds. Eight seconds till they get to the door. We've got two people so far. Two people have got saved, but we have not saved a single baby that we know of. We've not saved a single baby. So we've been doing that for a while. On Wednesday, we decided to up our game. Everybody's pretty supportive of us up to that point. Wednesday, I told them, look, um, I want a sign out on the corner. It says, babies are murdered here. So we put up the signs, and everything changed. Now, we still get people drive by, thumbs up, honk at us, you know. <clears throat> nobody's thrown tomatoes at us yet. And we're still doing the same old stuff where we walk up to them, to people, and we're talking to them. But you know what? The moment we brought out those signs, a clear those signs, a clear line was drawn. Clear line. Now, not everybody agrees with what we do. But the, the good news is, you're not in Buell, so it doesn't matter. If you're in Buell, it might be different. But s- since you're here, you guys can do it how you want. But I, 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 I was talking to a guy who does similar ministry, and I said, man, you can't do it like that. You've got to do it like this. And he says, okay, I'm willing to do... I'm, I'm willing to change. Tell me how it's worked out for you. Oh, I, I ain't never done it. Oh, well then shut up. Look, get in the game or get out. In or out. Pick a side. And that was an area that's really near and dear to my heart. It's near and dear to my heart because of those 55 million dead babies. Two of those are mine. That matters to me. Once upon a time, I said, ah, but they played the music and I bowed. I ain't going to bow no more. I don't want to bow. These guys wouldn't bow. What happened? They end up in a fire. You don't bow, you're going to end up in a fire. The, the, the building next door to Planned Parenthood, they used to be cool with us. Now they're not cool with us no more. It really doesn't matter. <coughs> it doesn't change what we're doing. It just means they don't come out and have nice conversations with us. That's all right. You know where I stand now. It's not fuzzy. It's not weird. It's clear. Crystal clear. You stand on that line, people will not be cool with it. But what happens next? What happens next in the story? Look at it. It says then, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Now, I'm going to start. Why was he astonished? My point of view is that he saw them two guys burst into flames beside him. And then he watched them three dudes look at each other and go, let's go. And they jump in. So, so he's astonished. And he rose in haste. So he jumps up. Remember, he kind of freaks out. He jumps up. And he says to his counselors, these are the wise guys who said, pitch them guys in there. Didn't we put three guys in a fire? And they answered and said, true, O king. And he said, look, there's four of them in there. He says, there are four men loosed 
walking in the middle of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. When you go through suffering, do you do it alone? Ever? Never. God's with you. God's with you. They take everything you got, God's with you. The family in Oregon, I think their mom and dad and five kids or seven kids, a bunch of kids, I know. They're okay. They lost it all, sure. But everybody knows where they stand now, don't they? The couple up in northern Idaho, that, uh, that they lost their chapel. They lost all that stuff. But they're okay. God's with them. If you choose to make your stand, it's going to cost you. But God's with you in the fire. Not outside, not somewhere safe. God's right there with you. Right there in the flame. Isaiah 43. <coughs> Incredible scripture. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So when you pass through the waters, I am with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not over, overfill or overflow you. I am with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. I am with you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Yeah. You don't go through none of that without Him being with you. Isn't that good news? And that's, that's the best news of all. He is with us. He is with us in this place. There's one with them, and He looks like the Son of God. Now, I just want to tell you what happened. When did it happen? When did the, when did the switch flip for Nebuchadnezzar? When he saw the suffering of the people of God. Was it when they made the decision to stand? The decision to stand brought the suffering. It was when the suffering came. Right? When they pitched him in the fire. Look, look what happens. Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, servants of the Most High God. Come here. Hey, guys. Remember me? Yeah. We come here? I don't think he was so bold as he was a little while ago. <coughs> hey, guys, will you come here? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the middle of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, king counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed. Nor were their garments affected. Nor was the smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree to all people, all nations everywhere, would speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be cut in pieces. They're still a little trippy, right? They will be cut in pieces and their house will be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. That's how you change the culture. Not by making peace with them. Not by saying, yeah, you're right. We're going to change what the Bible says and say that's okay now. How do you make peace? 
Man, you stand with God. You make the line clear. You say, this is where I'm at. And this is who I serve. He's my king. Not you. I don't have to be disrespectful when I do it. I follow all the laws and try to do the things (coughs) the best of my ability that I can. But I'm serving Him first. Him first. And if that causes me to lose everything, I lose it all. And through that suffering, you guys know, when the church was first springing up, right? In the book of Acts. What, what spreads the church around the world? Persecution, right? Persecution comes up. Everybody's running. Right? Nobody wants to get cut up in pieces, so they, they take off. But you know that persecution never went away. The Roman Empire killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 6 million Christians. They'd take them into the, to the, to the arenas. And they'd have all these people around, watch what's going on. They'd let loose uh, wild lions. And the Christians would hold hands and sing a hymn until the lions tore them apart. And a nation, an empire, the Roman Empire, watched that for a while. And then what happened to it? Well, it becomes the Holy Roman Empire. Now that leads to other problems, right? devil's tricky but kind of changed the course of an empire that empire folds up and it changes the face of Europe and then Europe branches out and it changes the face of the United States of America now we enter to the place where our nation is ready to bring out the lions again and God's people got to be willing to say yeah I'll go you read of, of Ignatius, the, the old early church fathers, they got a bunch of crazy things they say. But uh, I, I used to, when I was in Bible college, I thought Ignatius was a Catholic guy who had a death wish, um, which was pretty close, because he would say things like, bring on the wild beasts. I'm not going to bow. Polycarp, all you got to do is take a pinch of incense, man. You're an old man. Take a pinch of incense. Throw it on the fire. You don't have to mean it. Say, Kaiser Kyrios. Caesar is Lord. And Polycarp said, you know what? Spent 80 years following and serving my Savior, God and King, Jesus Christ. I ain't t- taking a pinch of incense. I don't care what you do. So they burn him at the stake. He burned till he died. And then he sat in front of his God and King. And the first thing he saw after the flames of fire was a bearded, scarred man running up to him like he couldn't wait to get to him, throwing his arms around him and saying, I'm so proud of you. Ladies and gentlemen, we got one chance for that. One life. What would you give for that moment with Jesus? What would you give for that? 
We all know, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Jesus says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, depart from me. You are cursed into everlasting fire. I never knew you. Man, God wants us all in, right? Right? Whole heart. Everything we got. Make that stand. We get one life. I tell, used to tell kids in football, you get you got one high school career to win it all. When you look back, when you're an old man, do you want to be able to say, wish I'd have done a little more, maybe we could have done it. Or do you just want to do it all now? You got one life to live. You can earn those words. You can see that vision. You, not you with a bunch of people. It's you and him. I don't want to look in his eyes that day and say, God, you gave me authority and I buried it in the backyard. I don't want to say, God, you gave me the gospel. But I never let it out of my prayer closet. I want to be the one that five talents, right? Ten. Who made more with it. One life. God's calling us to live it. Our world needs us. We just got to go do it. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. (coughs) Father God, we just lay this time before you, Lord, and uh, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to to bring Kathy and I up to Tuella and get an opportunity to share just what you've been doing in our hearts what you've been doing in our neck of the woods, God. And I pray, Lord, I know maybe it's a hard thing to hear, but it's what God has for us, Lord. A decision needs to be made. God's church needs to pick a side. And if we've been bowing the knee, Lord, we need to stop. We need to repent. We need revival to happen in our lives. But I think a lot of times we're hoping revival happens somewhere else. So God, I just pray that you help us. Pray that today, each and every one of us would go to have that quiet time with the Lord and we would just kneel before you, God. We draw a circle around us and we pray, Lord, start revival in this circle and don't stop till it comes. God, we just pray that you would do amazing things in this place, in this town, among the lost, among the seeking Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, just bestow great boldness on the men and women here to share the gospel. (coughs) To love you so much, God, they won't be quiet. That people don't want to be their friends no more because they just keep talking about Jesus. I pray, God, that they be bold. Like those three Hebrew kids who said, I'm going to stand with God against the whole world. Because when we do that, the heart of a king changes. The heart of a nation shifts. And we can truly see a nation become great again because a nation is turning to the Lord. God, I pray that you be glorified and magnified in this place where we want to honor you, God. Ignite us with your holy fire as we go from this place and be glorified in the life we give to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.